Welcome to the Sand Hills Media Ministry. We hope this production encourages and challenges you to live a more Christ-centered life. Happy Father's Day, and thanks for all the wives that have contributed to that portion. So, about six weeks ago, I had the privilege to go and speak in Kauai, Hawaii. Uh, some people get Hawaii, some people get Columbia, South Carolina. And so, I get both. And so, uh, I took my wife, which is always a good thing, and my son, Andrew, and then our daughter, Rachel, and her husband, Chris, and the two grandbabies, Miles and Noah. Miles is a year and a half, and Noah is five months. So, I took the little, little, little squirts and took them all over, and we had a great time. And when we were in Hawaii, how many of you, anyone ever been to Hawaii? Okay, anyone been to Kauai, the small island? Okay, so anyone ever tried a puka dog? Do you know what a puka dog is? Okay, so we got a picture of Andrew eating a puka dog, okay? And what it is, it's a Polish sausage. But the th- it's, like, it's like a hot dog in a very thick bun, but the thing that makes it great is the Hawaiian sauces. That's what makes it great. Now, anybody like honey mustard? Okay, well, I don't. But uh, the, the Hawaiian the Hawaiian sauce, uh, sauce is like honey mustard, but it's a Hawaiian honey mustard, and it was delicious. I think the sauce is what makes so many things great. So let me, let me have a group therapy moment with you and get just your input. How many of you, this is really a dumb question, how many of you like Chick-fil-A? How many like Chick-fil-A? Anybody not like Chick-fil-A? Okay, we'll pray for you, Caleb. And, um, um, so just, and this, this is for men, okay? So I'm just gonna single out the men for a minute. So um, how many of you, which of you men like the original sauce, the original Chick-fil-A sauce? Are you a dad? You're not a dad, okay? Are you a dad? You're a dad, come here, come here. This is what you always wanted for Father's Day. I know you're gonna say, Someone's gonna say, what'd you get for Father's Day? Well, the, the preacher gave me a Chick-fil-A sauce. <laughs> Here you go, catch it, because they break easy. Okay, how many of you like, how many men like uh, the Polynesian sauce? The Polynesian sauce. Do you like Polynesian? Come on up, come on up. Come on. <laughs> Take your time, hurry up, come on. How's your, how's your hands, all right? All right. He must be for Clemson, okay. Okay. Barbecue sauce, barbecue sauce, booyah, just what you wanted for Father's Day. Maybe in, the, in a year you'll say, you know, that was the greatest gift I got for Father's Day. Last but not least, the sweet and spicy sriracha, sweet and spicy sriracha. I see, yes, sir, come on, yes, come on, come on, come on. Something you always wanted. Okay, ready? Oh, boom. All right, give it up for the dads, there you go. All right, so um, I learned in, in seminary that if you're doing a talk that you've not done, and, but you've always wanted to do it, but don't, don't tell the people, so I'm not gonna tell you that this is my first time, although my friend told me to tell you it's my first time, and I'm really excited about this because I've been wanting to give this talk for a couple years, and so I'm gonna talk about the secret sauce for relationships, and you would think that the answer would be trust, and it is. You would think the answer would be listening, and it is. And you would think the answer would be feedback, and it is. Because communication theory teaches a couple things. One, there's a sender and there's a receiver, and that's all true. 
But I wanna take it another angle today, get on a different track. I think the secret sauce for relationships, relationships with God, relationships with each other, our partners, our, our spouses, our friends, our neighbors, our kids, is asking questions. Asking questions. So we're gonna talk today about asking questions and why that's so important as we talk about relationships. And so let me ask you a couple questions. So why, why are relationships important and why are questions in those relationships important? So let me give you four really quick ideas, stuff that's just very common sense. Number one, it reveals values. So um, I don't know if any of you like Seinfeld, the episode Seinfeld. I know Dr. Crodo loves Seinfeld. So there was an episode with the close talker Remember the close talker? And so um, in seminary, I had a friend named Blair Lerner and he was a close talker. And so he would get up really close and I would find myself backing up and he would just keep moving me back, right? And it's kind of like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But I eventually learned that he would always ask me questions. It felt kind of invasive, intrusive, but then I realized he's actually interested in me, but not just that, he's trying to find out what I believe and what I value. So questions do that. When you ask someone a question, you're trying to see what they value, and sometimes your question shows what you value. So number two, uh, it shows that we care about people by asking them questions. Hey, have you ever met someone that just likes to talk? Could we have a group therapy moment? Just like, they just like to talk, yeah. And so asking questions helps break down that communication barrier. Obviously, not everybody loves questions. Obviously, there's some people that just, they don't wanna go there. But, but most people, if you ask them a couple questions, they will get into it. Third, you need to know it inspires curiosity, but also provides what I call self-reflection. So if you ask me, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? It makes me reflect, makes me go deep into my own soul and what I think about that. And then last, which I love, it shows that you don't, know, you don't have all the answers. By you asking the question, a health question, a spiritual question, a relationship question, a political, whatever you ask shows that you don't have all the answers. Now, it's very interesting, and I don't know who figured it out, but someone has figured it out, that Jesus was asked about 187 questions, and that he maybe gave an answer to eight of them, okay? But what we do know if someone has figured this out, I don't know who it was, but it's, it seems to be in all the literature, Jesus asked 200 questions. So the, the adage is, ask a Jew a question, they will ask you another question. And so Jesus came from that rabbinic tr tradition of asking questions. So if he asked 200 questions, what were some of those? Well, I'll just give you a handful. Um, who, who of you can, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Uh, what is it you want, Jesus asked. He asked the man at the pool, do you want to get well? Uh, who do men say that I am? What is your name? Who touched me? Who touched my clothes? Or one of my favorite ones is, who do men say that I am? Now, this goes all the way back, all the way back to Genesis. And so we're gonna, we're gonna read a scripture here from Genesis chapter three where God has made a command and he's made some promises. He says, listen, it's not good for man to be alone, uh, but here's the deal, I don't want you to touch the tree. Now, when I was a younger, younger Christian, I used to think the Garden of Eden was kind of like the size of like my backyard. But now I started to realize maybe it's like Texas, right? But evidently the tree is close in, all right? And so... Um, we're gonna read this together. This is always a challenge, but I believe we can do it. Okay, are you up for the challenge? Okay, here we go, ready? But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked 
so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you to not eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave me as a companion, she gave me fruit from the tree, and yes, I ate. That is called a double whammy. That's called a double blame shift. Lord, the one, the, you, you gave me that woman, okay? So, um, some people think it was an apple. The smartest people think it was a pomegranate. Am I right? Not a right? It's not a pomegranate? What was it? It was an apple. Okay, the pictures say. All right, what do you know? What do you know? You teach, old, you teach New Testament, not New, Old Testament. Stay, stay with your topic, would you? So I love these questions. I love these questions. Where are you? And does God know where Adam and Eve are? Is he asking a geographical question? No. Is he asking a location question? No. He's asking where the heart is. Where are you? He wants to know, did I command you? Did you do something? Why are you naked? Where are you? What's going on? He's asking questions. Now, in the tradition of rabbis, goes all the way back many, many years, that we see uh, one one of the rabbis said this. In order to train Jewish boys, the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, in order to train them, we will stuff them with Torah at the age of six, like an ox. But before that, we won't, we won't give it to them. So in, in some of the rabbinic readings that I have done over the years, there were, there were seeming, seemingly uh, several stages. And the ones that interest me are the ones that I wanna talk about today. The first one is called Beit Sofer. Everybody say Beit Sofer. So Beit Sofer is somewhere between six and 12 years old. And, and some, of, some of the uh, Jewish uh, rabbis and people that I've read said that, that many, 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 not all, but many, many, many were trained to do this. They were trained to memorize the first five books of Moses. And I'm not just talking about, well, what's Leviticus 19, 18 say? I'm saying like the whole Old Testament, like the whole Torah. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Now, can you imagine having to memorize that? And all God's people said, whoa. I mean, that's amazing that they had to memorize all of that. So, so at that stage, it's mo- rote memory. You, you, the rabbi asks you a question, what's so-and-so, and they give you the answer. But then somewhere later in the process of education, we would call it Beit Talmud. Everyone say Beit Talmud. And Talmud means student or student of the rabbi. And somewhere in this stage, they move away from rote memorization to Q&A. Somewhere around 12, 13, 14 debated on when it is. Some of them would memorize Psalms. You ever read the book of Psalms? You ever read Psalm 119? It is long. They have memorized. Some of them would go on and memorize several documents like Daniel or Ezekiel. I mean, are you kidding me? That's so much stuff. But that's not what the rabbi was after. The rabbi was after the heart more than the head. And so we go to fast forward to Jesus in the temple in chapter Two of Luke. And it says this every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, interesting, they went up to the festival according to the custom. And after the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, 
The boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. And when they did not find Yeshua Jesus, when they didn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. So they look for him, they go home, they're caravanning, they think he's with them. Joseph and Mary maybe are not even together and Joseph's wondering where Jesus is and Mary's wondering. And they get home, spend a whole day and they don't have Jesus. Now, where would a 12-year-old Jewish boy go? Man, they could go any place. Now, this is not a boy who is a typical teenager who's going to sow wild oats like the prodigal son. He goes back to the synagogue. So they get back there, and for not one, not two, but three times, three days, they look for him, and they finally find him in the synagogue. And what's he doing? Asking questions. Following the tradition of asking questions, this rabbi to be of Nazareth. And, and the implication for us today is this. If, if, you're gonna, if you're a follower of Jesus or you wanna be a follower of Jesus, then we need to mimic what the rabbi does. Not only what he says, but what he does. And so if you, you had a phrase called, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. And so what that means is you wore sandals all day long, the rabbi and, and, and the students would follow. So if he, he goes to teach, you teach. He heals, you heal. He casts out demons, you, you, whatever the rabbi does, you do. Well, the rabbi asks questions. Now remember this, questions are not scary. What is scary is when we don't have any. And I believe the church should be a place where we can ask questions. I believe the church is a place where we should ask questions that maybe no one's asking. I believe it's a place we can be very honest. So Christians, Christ followers don't avoid questions. We embrace them even if they are hard ones. Does that make sense? So may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. So there was a Jewish rabbi who knew just about everything in the Old Testament. His name was Saul. He would later become Paul, the apostle Paul. And in Acts chapter 9 and Acts chapter 22, he has an encounter with Yeshua, the resurrected Jesus. And there's an encounter and he hears a voice, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. What shall I do? Asked Paul. You've got this series of questions and answers. Well, uh, about a year ago, uh, Andrew, my son, and I, we kind of stumbled together into something that we do a lot of, and he does it a ton. He does it a lot more than probably anyone I know. He has learned to ask questions. And so a year ago, uh, we were in the hospital for a while. I'll, I'll explain it in the video. But during our time in the hospital, Andrew would ask everybody four questions. Here they are. We are talking this morning about the secret sauce of relationships. And this is my boy, Andrew. Mm -hmm. And last summer, Andrew had what was called GBS, Guillain-Barre syndrome, which meant he was hospitalized for about 30 days. And we kind of stumbled together on how to have a good connection with people. And Andrew would ask every person that came into the hospital room these several questions. And, and to this day, he asks these questions to anyone who comes to our house, whether it's stranger or friend. And so, Andrew, mm -hmm. uh, after we find out what their name is, can you tell us yeah. what those questions are? Of course. Okay. So one of them is... What is your favorite animal? Okay, favorite animal. All right, what's question two? What do you, what do you like 
on your pizza. Oh, what do you like on your pizza? Great question. Question three. Super important. Do you know Jesus? Super important. Do you know Jesus? That's a great question. If they say yes, do you have a, you have another question? Yes. Right? Which is why are you a Jesus? Why are you a Jesus follower? Those are super practical and super great questions. We've had so many incredible responses to do you know Jesus? Like some people are like, yes, or absolutely. One lady said, I don't, but I'd like to. And so if I were to ask you, what's your favorite animal? What would you say? Well, everything I should, just a shark in my shirt. I like sharks, but I also like lions. Honey badgers and wolverines. Okay, so sharks, lions, and wolverines, mm -hmm. and honey badgers. Mm -hmm. Okay, and mine, you know what mine is? What? It's a giraffe. All right, second question is, what do you like on your pizza? I like, go to favorites, is pepperoni and pineapple. Pepperoni and pineapple. I like pepperoni and mushrooms. And third question, do you know Jesus? Affirmative. Affirmative. That means yes. Okay. Okay. And I would say yes, I do as well. Absolutely. And last question, why are you a Jesus follower? Uh, just because he's my senior protector because he protects me and saves my life. Oh, he's your senior protector and he saves your life. Mm -hmm. I love that. I would I would agree to those. I would say t uh, for me, not only that, but he is he's the best way to live. He's the greatest way to live. Hey, well, thank you, Andrew. Mm -hmm. High five. Good stuff. So we got name, ask some questions on animals, pizza, mm -hmm. do you know Jesus, mm -hmm. and why do you know Jesus? Now, for those of you who want to ask people questions, they don't have to be those exact ones, but Andrew's found this niche with these questions, and they've seemed to work pretty well. And because Andrew is Andrew, people tend to ask to answer. There have been a few that have not wanted to answer, but overall, about 98% have answered. So, thanks a bunch. Andrew means strong one. Andrew means strong one. High five. Mm -hmm. Thanks, y'all. Okay. So you get a chance to practice now. Turn to the person to your right or left and tell them your favorite animal. Cannot be a dog, cannot be a cat. Sorry, old shine rules. Favorite animal, tell someone to your right or left, go. Favorite animal. All right, moving on. Help the, help the introverts out here, all right? Question number two, last question. What do you like on your pizza? Go. Okay, thank you. Now, you gotta understand, when you're building relationships with people, sometimes like Andrew will go in, he'll ask the Jesus question first. Like, no, 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 no. Got to build the bridge. Got to start slow, a little intimidating, a little intrusive for some people. Timing is important. So be careful. Read your audience. Read the room. Um, check out the body language. Not everybody likes this stuff, and you'll be able to tell. There. So there's a guy uh, at our gym, and we were trying to do this a couple months ago, and he did not want to do it. You could tell he didn't want to tell us his name. Uh, he didn't want to answer any questions. He wouldn't even look at us. So I felt really bad about that. And then every time we saw him, he wouldn't even look at us. So I just started to pray. I said, Lord, help us build a bridge to this guy. Um, seemed a little grumpy, just, you know, just... I get some people go to the gym just to exercise. They don't want to talk. I get that. 
So uh, one day I saw him, it was last week actually, and Andrew and I saw him, and I went up to him and I said, hey, I need to apologize. And he wouldn't look, he just was looking for and goes, what for? I was like, uh, well, we were, we were asking you who you were and some questions about favorite animals and pizza and you, you didn't want to answer and I respect that and I just wanted to apologize. I wanted to apologize for being intrusive, trying to build this bridge. And he, he finally looked up, he goes, um, um, I don't even remember. I was like, well, I, okay, I do, I remember. We were asking you questions and you didn't want to answer. And then Andrew tried to ask him a couple more questions and you could tell he did not want to answer. And then uh, we were just start, well, I said, well, thank you again, I'm sorry. And he goes, uh, you can call me Otto. Call me Otto. Well, I had just seen the movie with Tom Hanks called A Man Called Otto, where he's, where he's a grumpy old guy and he's had a rough life. And I'm, I just told my wife the week before, I was like, this guy reminds me of Otto. So then he says, just call me Otto. I'm like, boom. So uh, we said goodbye. And so we saw him about three days ago. He was walking in the parking lot to the gym. We were too. And we went, hello, Otto. And he went, and just kept walking. <laughs> so we realized this guy doesn't really want to connect. That's fine. But we built the bridge. All right, let me give you some principles about how this works. So there's a, in our neighborhood, there is a couple and they have a big sign out front that says, welcome. And then next to it, about three feet away, it says this, no trespassing or you'll be shot. <laughs> okay, so you just got the feeling that this is not gonna be a real, real relationship. You know what I'm saying? We've tried, I'll keep trying. Here's some secret sauce ideas for you. If you're a parent, grandparent, here's the principle. As your kids get older, Recognize questions are better than lecture. Questions are better than lecture. You've done the lecture thing, parents, right? You've done group therapy moment, you've done it? Come on, come on, thank you. And what do you see with your kids? The window goes up, right? Questions are better than lecture. Number two, here's what you need to know if you're dating, engaged, married. Questions are more helpful than verbal jabs. They just are. So ask your spouse some questions. What's going on? Why, why did you react that way? Am I, is it me? Am I saying something that's getting your, getting your dandruff up? What's going on? Ask some questions. If you're single, that includes widows, divorce, widowers, preteens, teenagers. Don't be afraid of questions. Don't be afraid of questions. And if you're a seeker, doubter, trying to figure out the faith, figure out Christianity, ask questions that no one is asking. It's okay. You can handle it. God can handle it. No one in this room has it all figured out. Trust me. Now, I love questions because it frees us. Uh, Joshua uh, Heschel says, I did not ask for success. I asked for wonder. And I believe that questions creates wonder. I think sometimes we put God in our box and all of a sudden, Christianity and God become so predictable and so intellectual and so we got it all figured out. Let God out of the box a little bit, Okay. He's a lot bigger than the box. He's gonna jump out anyway. So here's the deal. As you ask questions, I want to challenge you this week to start the process, if you haven't already, ask God some questions and ask yourself some questions. And I've given you some examples. There, I believe there's little bulletins as you walk out if, you don't like to if you're not a note taker. Here's some questions I ask quite frequently. God, what are you saying to me today? What do you want to do in me today? And what do you want to do through me today? And Lord, what, what am I missing? 
And then I want you to ask yourself some questions. Do that self-reflection. How am I doing really? Um, what's my mission and am I fulfilling it? Am I listening to God and am I doing it good or bad? And, and why do I react to certain people? Why do I have a problem with blank? Or why do I get angry or bitter or resentful or jealous over blank? And why am I motivated for this or for ambition or for this? Realize that some questions will not give you great answers, but some questions will lead to more questions. And so when you're doing this, even with God, sometimes you won't be satisfied, which always leads me to Deuteronomy 29, 29, one of the the very significant verses that's helped me in my life. It says this, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. In other words, what I can find in here It's gold. It's gold, Jerry. It's gold. Got to rely on it. But it doesn't tell you who to marry. It doesn't tell you where to live. It doesn't tell you where to shop. It doesn't tell you those kind of things. But it does give you principles on living and what makes being a follower of Jesus so important. But there are certain things that I call, not really I call, God calls the secret things. And the secret things are his God's warehouse. That's his, that's his wheelhouse. That's his, his storage where only he knows the answer. And so when you have questions about why did this person die or why, why, did, why is this person not healed or why, what, what about the suicide or what about my father-in-law who got cancer and died or what about this or this or this or why did this young kid die in a car wreck? And you don't have those answers and you might never have those answers. And so you have to live in the tension between what you know from this book and the mystery of these things that are not answered. And you have to live within that ambiguity and that mystery. And for some of you, that's really hard. And for some of you, you've accepted that, you've tried to embrace that. So as we close, I want you to practice asking yourself questions and asking God some questions. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we... uh, We're not smart enough to figure out a lot of things, but you've told us what to do in your word. And when your word doesn't spell things out clearly, it leaves us in a state of questioning. And thank you that you can handle that. And so, Lord, today we ask, Lord, what would you have us do today? As a dad, as a mom, as a student, as a widow, as a divorcee, what do you want us to do today? What would you have us do? How would you want us to live today? Father, help us not be afraid of questions. Help us not be afraid of mystery. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for modeling this to us. We honor you. We need you. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you guys stand as we sing together?